morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. And because it's a Friday, that means Chief Grand Poobah here at Press Box. Stan the Fan Charles is back in the studio with you. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, champ. It was a rough day yesterday. I know you wrote about it at Press Box. We were doing radio in 105.7 last night. Just a... It, it, it's it's obviously the news is rough, but it's almost like it's it's cruelly unfair because yesterday is the day of eternal hope and optimism and pleasant feelings, and within the span of about ten seconds, all of a sudden that goes away. Um, coming up a little bit later on in the program, we will catch up with the legendary Gary Williams. This weekend, uh, Maryland is celebrating the twentieth anniversary of uh, the run to the ACC tournament title down in Greensboro back in 2004, led by uh, John Gilchrist. Gary Williams will join us to reflect upon that before uh, they get honored tomorrow at the Maryland-Illinois game. Uh, Will Carroll, longtime baseball writer, who's now moved into uh, more of a role talking about baseball injuries. Um, he's got a substack uh, that, that sort of dives into the injury side of the sport, well, Carol will check in with us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Kyle Bradish, John Means, and the th- the part of the unspoken part of the news yesterday, and particularly related to Kyle Bradish. And Stan, I, I know as you alluded to in your piece of press box, that's as as disappointing as it is to see anybody's injured at this point. The more troubling part with any pitcher is anytime you see anything related to an elbow, your mind immediately goes directly to. Tommy John surgery. It's just the nature of the beast. And we don't know that yet with Kyle Bradish, but I think we have every right to be fearful of that ultimately being the case for the man who was the Orioles ace a season ago. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, a really dim day. But I would remind uh, Baltimore baseball fans that the Tampa Bay Rays, who were knocked out in their first round, right? It's just true. Like the, just like the Orioles. Yeah. But they won 99 games this this past season, and they not they didn't lose one guy, one starting pitcher, to a Tommy John injury. They didn't lose two guys to a Tommy John injury. They lost three starting pitchers in the same season: Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rose, uh, Drew Rasmussen, not Drew Rosenhaus, right. Drew Rasmussen, and uh, then third was uh, Shane McClanahan. Uh, so. It's not the end of the world. It is a real bummer because, and I guess we'll find out from Will Carroll, I'm going to estimate when you hear somebody has a UCL sprain, it's a 90, 90 to 92%, might even be higher, that we're looking eventually at a Tommy John surgery. It feels like the conversation that always follows immediately is, well, they've got a choice to make. Like, that's always what this feels like. The, the next time we hear from someone, their words are going to be, well, they've got a decision to make. And mm-hmm. that's just sort of the way that this goes. Um, the fallout. By that, you mean whether to do it now correct, or, to or to waste to, a couple. Exactly yeah, right. Exactly and I right. use the term waste diplomatically but it is a risk because you're weighing you you already know that it's highly unlikely he's going to pitch this year okay and you you start to say okay if we do the surgery now he could be ready to pitch at the beginning of next year you know he could be actually go to spring training with a shot to be ready by opening day or if not opening day by may 1st right 
Otherwise, you wait these two months, you're talking about getting them back August 1st next year. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. that's yeah. the case. So there's there's more fallout, obviously, that comes from this, which is somebody's got to start. First of all, you, you hope, as you bring up the Rays, there's no more injury issues between now and opening day, but you're hoping that. That's a long time right. at this point that we're talking about. And the John Means thing doesn't appear to be quite as serious, but you're now talking about someone who's pitched very little over the span of the last two seasons, and you're just sort of getting to the point with John Means where you're not sure what you can count on. I I have a a theory, as I wrote, I think, in the piece. I think the Orioles would be wise to almost view him and Cole Irvin as one pitcher and say, boy, if we can get 160 innings out of these two people, that'll take up one of our rotation spots. Because the idea of counting on John Means, as much as we love what he brings to the table when he can get to the mound, it's just not realistic. I mean, this guy's not going to give us 120 or 140 innings this year. It seems very unlikely that that would be the case. I would think that this is a year where, again, we don't know the severity, but boy, when you read that this is still the lingering effects mm-hmm. of what caused him to drop out of being on the roster in the postseason last year. And you go, Jesus, it's four, four and a half months since then. And he still got it? That, that, that doesn't sound No, it's not encouraging, Stan. None of it is encouraging. By the way, this news has impacted the betting markets. The uh, Orioles' win total has dropped down to 89 and a half. At Superbook right now. So what if, was it? Ninety uh, two. No, it was only ninety and a half. It only dropped by a game. Drop. Only dropped by a game. You could argue it's actually, you know, could have dropped more if they believe that Kyle Bradish is going to miss the season. So eighty nine and a half is the number. If you want to get in on that and you still feel confidence and it, bullish about the birds, get to Superbook dot com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn Clark twenty three or Stan Charles twenty three when you sign up you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. I would also um, pump the brakes on being so, I mean, devastated by this news. It it really is almost insulting to Mike Elias to think, oh, well, we, we're losing John Means and Kyle Bradish, and oh, woe is me. He's going to do something. And, in fact, I chewed on it, as I said mm-hmm. in my column, it's quite clear to me that the Corbin Burns trade was made in light of the information that he knew. It, it is kind of remarkable that they kept this under wraps for as long as they did. I'm telling per- you, he is the master yeah. of loose lips sink ships, and you ha- you see reason. Matt Arnold might have wanted right. something else. Right. If they thought they were desperate. It, right, yeah. correct. And presumably they were having other trade conversations. We'll dip into that as some other news that came out yesterday. Um, but I, the immediate follow-up to me, one, you bring up Tyler Wells. And I am not, like I, I have said before, I was not as bullish as everybody else was that the best choice to be the fifth starter this year was Dean Kramer over Tyler Wells. Mm-hmm. I understood the argument of if one's going into a back end of the bullpen role, I like Tyler Wells in that role more than I like Dean Kramer in that role. So I got why the thought process was that was the way this was going to work out. But I'm not... We, we all remember how well Tyler Wells pitched before he fell apart last season. Now, 
does that mean that you can expect that you can gain on that and get an entire season <clears throat> of Tyler Wells pitching like that? I'm not sure that I can buy into that at this point. But I'm not opposed to Tyler Wells being in the rotation. The problem being, as I just mentioned, this weakens an area that was already a weakness, I thought, going into the season for this baseball team. So you're, you know, robbing from Peter to pay Paul in this situation. Yes, I'm cool. I'm cool with Tyler. If Tyler Wells is your third or fourth starter, I think you can be okay. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a, a good team having Tyler Wells as being their third or fourth starter. Because, again, for a good part of the season a year ago, he was their number one starter, and they were a very good baseball team. It's just that now that that solution in the back end of the bullpen is Craig Kimbrell has to work. Yanir Cano has to be closer to the good version of Yanir Cano. Yeah, and and almost Tate, Dylan, and Dylan Tate, Tate has, has to, to be the guy he, from two Dylan years Tate ago. Dylan Tate, to me, has to jump in front of Yanir Cano. I think that that's a vital thing to happen. I was not impressed with Yanir Cano the, the last two nope. months of the season last nope. year. So, it, you know, what's brutal is over the course of, of since, like, what was it, August 28th last year, the Orioles have only played, like, what, 33 games? And they've lost Felix Bautista and Kyle Bradish, both for a year plus. Likely. Likely. Right, yeah, likely. Yeah. yeah, be careful on how we talk yep. about it with Bradish because yep. yep. we don't know Look, that yet. But yes. You know, a couple of these, there's a few of these fluke pitchers that do the rest in PRP injection and somehow they, you know, it, it has to do, I think, with the severity. They call it a sprain, but I think it's really a tear in the UCL. UCL. Uh, and, you know, if it's a micro tear, the PRP might be able to help it, and you may be able to noodle through it. And I don't know whether you're just dodging a bullet right. that you pay a year from now, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a drag. But the, uh, the other part of this is that you need Grayson Rodriguez to be ready to step up yeah. to be the guy that we all believe, based on his talent, Grayson Rodriguez is capable of becoming. That's, yep. that, to me, the other big fallout from the injury to Kyle Bradish is that there's not really a lot of room this season for Grayson Rodriguez to still be, be figuring it out. experimenting and be figuring it out. And, and, and that's one of the things that is a, uh, an unintended consequence of this or collateral damage is it was so nice with Burns and Bradish in front of him, mm -hmm. the pressure on him wasn't Less enormous. Less. Now it's all of a sudden, hey, man, we really, you know, everybody's not going to say it, nope. but they're going to look at him like he's really got to be the man. A hundred percent. And there's, you know, ramifications that go beyond that because Corbin Burns ain't going to be around past 2024 so I'm not so sure of that I well, I hope you're right, but I am not so sure the the history does not suggest that it's likely that you're going to be able to make that happen. I hope you're I hope we'll there's say. a lot of things that change we'll under uh, David Rubenstein now moving forward. but we will see sure we will see that. Um, I, as far as what you could do, we all know what the big ticket items that are still out there are, and add to that list this report from the Miami Herald yesterday that indeed the Orioles hadn't been involved in conversations about Jesus Lazardo. They didn't paint the timeline for us to know definitively. Was it were they in on Lazardo until they made the Burns move? Were they in on Lazardo still after the Burns move? And I do think that's interesting. The report from the Herald suggests that. 
the price, the bridge that was too far was that the Marlins wanted Samuel Basayo, and the Orioles weren't willing to go there. And that's understandable, I think. Although I've gotten into a conversation the last couple of days about how untouchable Samuel Basayo really should be. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking to Kylie McDaniel the other day. Kylie McDaniel says, dude, Samuel Basayo is not a catcher. Like, long term. It's not. It's not a maybe. It's He's confident. He is not a catcher. He's a bat. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then I'm probably less inclined to say Samuel Basayo is wildly untouchable. I don't know if Lazardo is the right return well three years of control it's a big is, deal it's yes. a big deal it's a big deal it's, it's a very expensive deal. you know when you start talking about that you know so would you do Basayo for that i'd give it i'd give it serious consideration you know it's not you know it's not like i woke up this morning wanting to trade no Sammy of course Basayo, not. of course but not. you know the Orioles definitely have a window right now for a couple of years where they've got this group that's going to be together and you put Jesus Lozardo in there, and unlike Burns, know he's going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be feeling real good about our chances. Extending this out past this season, yeah. and that buys yeah. you that. I look, I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure that I. To your point, like I'm not ready. I to haven't just... seen Sammy Basayo have one at bat. You know, I mean, right. I've never even bothered to look at video because it's it's a couple of years mm-hmm. away. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying. I always want to give up a couple of years away players, but uh, Eric says he is a really special hitter. There's a, so. Look, there's a lot of people that believe he'll be the number one prospect in baseball this time yep. next season. There's yep. a lot of people that feel that way, and that seems See, like if, a- I, if I'm talking Basayo, I'm getting back an old friend. I'm getting back you know, Tanner Scott, too. I'm getting Tanner Scott yeah. and Lazardo. Right. And I'm really going after it this year. Which becomes tricky because I don't know that the Marlins are outright saying we don't think we're going to try to win this year and right. we just want to sell parts versus them saying, hey, we have a surplus of pitching. Right. And if you want to dip into that and you can give us something that, again, we believe is is found gold mm-hmm. then we'll do that so i don't know if they'd be willing to, to dip in but i'd certainly be interested yep. in them being inclined to throw in tanner scott as well and what that would mean maybe you got to do samuel basayo and judd fabian or something like that in order to pull it off i'd i'd listen well, i to think that. you'd have to give up more than basayo to yeah. get lazardo i mean probably I think you're yes talking... yes a package that starts yeah. with basayo that's fair i mean i'm thinking Ramon Urias is a player that would be a nice little, not like a mass, a, a centerpiece of a trade, but when they're looking at their team, he's a gold glove caliber defender where they have Jake Berger at third base right now. Uh, they've got Josh Bell at first, so first is kind of cut off, but Bell and Berger could DH. Urias would be terrific at third base. He could play second base. Uh, so I would expect he might be a part of this. They might want Connor Norby, and they might want one of the outfielders, Kerstad and uh, or Kowser. I I would think that it would be to say Basayo and Kerstad would. Ooh, that would be. That's, eh, that's a that's a really heavy price to pay at that. Would point. you have done the Basayo trade for Luzardo, like Basayo and change before the news of yesterday? Would you, or are you more in, like, is it more inclined to say yes? because of the Bradish injury? Even two weeks ago, before the Burns trade was announced, how? I think before the Burns trade, you know, I'd be inclined to do a lot of things, right? Like, they they desperately needed somebody. They needed, now, 
today or after the Burns trade? It's boy, I, I, it's a, it's a, it's well, a good hypothetical, Griffin. But I don't know. Well, I just clearly don't know. knew that Bradish's season was in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. They they knew that because he had the PRP in January. I, I think. believe that's the case. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm very, not very, uh, you know, it's troubling news as a baseball fan. Well, and, but and what baseball fan doesn't suffer these things again? Of course. I remind people that the Tampa Bay Rays won 99 games last year, so, losing three of their starting pitchers. So we add to the conversation. It doesn't need to be a trade for Lazardo. That doesn't have to be the case. There are still pitchers There's that are still available pitchers that, out there yeah. that don't cost you anything in a trade. Now they they there's a huge range there. There's the top of the market that we assume the Orioles won't go back to. Although, again, you know, whatever the involvement is from David Rubenstein already. And I guess uh, Rob Manfred said yesterday they're looking to fast track the ownership change. And so maybe that picks up the pace on decisions like this. Although we've seen this before with guys who come in a little bit later and don't get spring training. Start. You, you don't really want this to linger to closer to opening day before you bring a pitcher in. But perhaps if David Rubenstein is confident with where they are in the process today, and remember he said the other day what he wants to give back to his hometown, well, giving back Jordan Montgomery would be wonderful. We'd be all in favor of you giving back Jordan Montgomery to start things off. Um, I still don't believe that's where they're going to go, but it's there. As you pointed out in the column, there's plenty of other guys on the next level of the market. The Orioles throughout the offseason been, have been tied in particular to Michael Lorenzen, who's not going to excite anyone. And there's an argument to be made about how much better Michael Lorenzen really is than the options that you have internally, with the trade-off being, were you so intent on Tyler Wells being in the back end of the bullpen that even if someone isn't necessarily better than Tyler Wells, you just want to have them as the option because you want Tyler Wells to be in the bullpen. And that's the part that I feel like we still haven't gotten an answer out of the Orioles because... Instead of being able to ask those questions yesterday, the questions were all about, yeah. you know, the injuries. I mean, the other way to go is if you're thinking now of moving that piece over, who's out there that you could get as a relief pitcher that plugs yeah, in? Ryan Stanek. Ryan Stanek seems like the best name that I can think of out there. I don't you know. know Brad what the... Hand doesn't excite me much, no. you know. What would the money be for Ryan Stanek? What would that? Probably three, if. Three five to four five in that range, something like that for a season. You know, I mean, sitting here, it's, right? It's, it's yes, it's February, it's February, 16th, and you don't I have get a it. deal yet. I get know? it. Um, I don't think yeah, last a, year he made three three point six. Yeah. So he's probably a four point five guy. It would seem like the type of move that you could make if that's the way that you want to go, and I, yeah. I'm I'm in favor of that being something that yeah. you consider in this process. So uh, I mean, a, picking somebody like that up. Right now, like announcing that in the next couple of days makes it sort of like now you've got options. You know, it mm-hmm. opens because you also remember you do have Cole Irvin, who, you know, I'm not, I'm sure it doesn't excite anybody, but he was a pretty darn decent pitcher for the Oakland A's for two straight years before we got him and we panicked on him like April 4th last year, you know, after one start. Um, I, he, I think he's capable of giving you 150 to 170 innings, Cole Irvin. They may not be all beautiful innings. The ERA might be 4.5. But, again, innings are important 
just as much as your ERA. And if and that's and and to the point, if that's the case, it's okay if, as we expect, your offense is ready to produce a little bit more than even they did a year ago. Yeah. And that's part of the equation and the calculus that you're doing with this team is part of the way that they're better is they're going to score more runs because you don't think Gunnar Henderson's going to get off to such a slow start. You think Jackson Holiday is going to be able to produce fairly quickly. You, you think that there is room for the offense to be even more productive than it was a year ago. It's not a guarantee, of course, but you're hoping that's part of the equation and part of the calculus for how this team can make up for some of these losses that we're talking about. Or, to your point, if Cole Irvin's got to be in your rotation for some time and he's pitching to a, a mid-four ERA, you're going to need to score some runs. To be fair, they did that for Cal Gibson yep. a season ago. Um, and his innings were relevant because the Orioles were scoring runs when he pitched. Hopefully that's the case again this year, whoever it is that's going to be in the rotation. But the, there's no... You, you can't pretend like this didn't get more difficult for the Orioles. You can't pretend like the path didn't become more perilous yesterday. They do have a little bit more depth than we're used to them having, and that's the good news. They, they Actually, the depth, oddly, is in some other places. We've talked a long time about like the infield depth. All of a sudden, you look at the outfield depth, and you say, boy, there's an awful yeah, lot of guys. Where, where are they going to fit all these guys in? Correct. And that's what makes a trade very possible. You know. To your point about Kerstad, like they could look and say it's some, the same way we've all talked about their need to trade from their infield depth, which they did in trading Joey Ortiz and the Corbin Burns deal. They might be looking around and saying, yeah, well, some, one of these guys has got to go too. Like we got six, if you include Stowers, I guess you have six, but Stowers, it's a tough one to still include at yeah. this point. Yeah. You still have five between Hayes, Mullins, Mountcastle, Kerstad, and Kowser. Mm -hmm. You have five that you think all should be, in a normal world, everyday caliber players somewhere at this point in their career. And they sure as hell can't all be everyday guys here. And that's assuming that Ryan O'Hearn's <laughs> not going to play any outfield at all during the course of the season. And, you know, I guess he's part of that equation as well. Yeah. So you do have somewhere like five and a half, six guys that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So to say maybe that's the route that you choose to take is to say we have to solve this problem too, so we got to deal one of these guys as we try to go about doing this. Yeah, sure. It's, it's hard to imagine if they make a trade that Kowser or Kerstad won't be involved in the deal, you know, in some level. Unless somebody wants a major league outfielder, right? Unless somebody wants – and I just don't know yeah. – I don't know which of these guys. I think it's a difficult. It's almost impossible to trade Santander until you know that one of these other guys is definitely going to provide you twenty-five to thirty-five yeah. home runs. He's a tough player to trade the yep. way he's played the past couple of years. And he the really is. the guys that you'd be more inclined to trade just don't look like they're going to bring you back much between Hayes and Mullins at this point. Right. Um. Just for for various reasons, inconsistency, yeah. injury, the whole thing. You're probably not going to go that route. But in a perfect world. Somebody might say they were more inclined to trade one of those guys. They just don't know that the options are going to be there for them. Look, and then the, the rumors are surfacing that they're talking to Miami about uh, yeah, about Jesus Luzardo. Uh, Eric says he's heard down down there that they're 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 circling back and talking to the White Sox, and this would be a uh, chance for Chris Getz to get it right uh, and maybe move off of his incredibly high. 
demands that I've heard, you know, that that's what stymied the C street. But if he does, does that bring five other teams back into the equation as well, right? If he comes off those demands. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, It makes the next couple of weeks more interesting to see how these things play out as the Orioles are still uh, more than a week away from their first spring training game of the year. All right, Stan the Fan Charles is here with us on a Friday edition of the program. We will talk more about the Orioles situation a little bit later on in the show. Do you think the you know high school basketball? We'll go to countysportszone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard. Only at countysportszone.com, presented by your local Toyota dealers. When we come back in tomorrow uh, in College Park, the University of Maryland will celebrate the 20th anniversary of a wildly improbable run to the only ACC tournament championship of the Gary Williams era. And Gary Williams will join us next to talk about that. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com guilford hall brewery european tradition baltimore charm make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today there's so much focus on sports betting these days but i want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat the Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard, or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and 
killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. Griffin, you want to let everybody know why it's always a good time to be at Live Casino and Hotel? Of course I do. It is because of Sports and Social, which will be uh, the Sports and Social at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, which features an on-site FanDuel location. And it will be the ultimate spot to watch uh, this weekend's big fights, UFC 298, uh, as well as uh, any college basketball that you want on their massive 100-foot media wall. So order up your favorite game day bites. Take a sip from the signature crushes and extensive beer selections all just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. So watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please pay, please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, very good. Uh, this morning, Brandon Hyde meeting with reporters down in Sarasota says that Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin definitely have the inside tracks to rotation spots at this point and that the rough draft for John Means to pitch in MLB games is sometime in April, which I think would be very good news um, if that were to work out and lightens the load potentially for what it is that the Orioles are dealing with. Coming up in just a second, Gary Williams will join us as we will catch up with the former head coach at the University of Maryland. They get ready to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the ACC tournament title. Uh, Last night, a historic moment in college basketball as part of a 49-point effort, Caitlin Clark from Iowa becomes the all-time leading scorer in uh, women's basketball history, uh, overtaking Kelsey Plum. 49 points last night. And, of course, broke the record with a absurd logo three uh, early in the first half, which was pretty remarkable. I don't know what else there is to say about Caitlin Clark. She's incredible. She's amazing. She's magnetic. She's one of the great players that we have seen in the history of the sport. And hopefully they've got a long tournament run in them because that would be good for everyone involved with basketball to have Iowa playing deep into the NCAA tournament. Amazing to hear for a women's basketball game that tickets were in the thousands and of dollars. Stan, when, she came, when they came to Maryland a couple weekends ago, yeah. like, I'd say three weeks before the game, yeah. I had that moment where I'm like, all right, I want to go to that. Yeah. And went to look, and tickets are sold out. And and that's, Crazy. you know, Maryland's, of course, a big building. Like, this isn't, yeah. you know, some of these buildings are like, you know, 10,000 people. Yeah. Um, and it was not thousands, because obviously there was a record that they were going for last right. night. But the cheapest, you know, get in. 250. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, the traveling show that she has been everywhere she's gone this season. It's been awesome to see. And there's a, a girl playing at USC named Juju Watkins who might very well be better. Yeah. Like, it's wild right now, that era of women's college basketball. All right, as we mentioned, tomorrow Maryland takes on Illinois at home, and they will be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the 2004 ACC Tournament Championship. Joining us now, of course, 
the Hall of Fame head coach of that team, the legend Gary Williams, is with us here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No, thanks for calling. Uh, it's uh, good hearing you guys again. Oh, it's great to hear from you, Coach. And, I, you know, it's funny. I use the word improbable, right? And I think for a lot of people that don't think back 20 years ago, they remember you guys are still coming off the heels of having won the national championship. And they might forget, like, just how wild of a weekend this was where you had to win three games in three days all against ranked opponents. Gary, if I take you back 20 years ago going into that weekend, did you have any idea that this was coming? Well, we, we had kind of an up-and-down year. We weren't real consistent, but we, we had moments where we were pretty good. We had lost um, some really key uh, backcourt guys the year before and Steve Blake and Drew Nichols. Whenever you lose your backcourt, you know, that experience, how to play, situations, all that comes down to your guards a lot of times. So I was con- very concerned with that. But, you know, John Gilchrist uh, came on and, and you know, he, he was a very strong, tough, uh, point guard and he obviously had the three best games of his career um in the acc tournament uh his performance uh for the guys who go way back uh rivaled uh, randolph childress who uh, played for wake forest and just had three days where he dominated uh, and that's what john gilchrist did and you know we, we beat wake they were uh, on friday night we had the nine o'clock game they were the uh, number three seed and then uh Saturday afternoon at one, we played uh, NC State. Uh, they were the number two seed in the tournament, and uh, then we beat Duke, um, at the number one seed. Duke had won five straight ACC championships going into that game. Um, the winner of the conference tournament is the ACC champion. Uh, that was set up in the fifties when the league was formed. Gary, the um, the the playing the game in Greensboro. Uh, can you can you Explain to our listeners out there what that's like for a team like Maryland that isn't part of that North Carolina group of teams, how tough that gauntlet was. Well, I mean, you, you look at, you know, the history, uh, I think in 56, maybe Maryland won, Bud Mulligan was the coach uh, and the league had just been formed. Uh, 84, Lefter Drizel's team won, and then we won. And that's it. That was it in the ACC. And look at all the good basketball teams that Maryland had during Lefty's time, my time, you know, national championship team, final 14, did not win the ACC tournament. And, you know, uh, part of that is that the league is so good. There's, you know, to, to win three straight, three consecutive days is hard. But, you know, they're road games. When you play at Carolina uh, in anything, they're road games if you're Maryland. Uh, and that, that was always the problem. If you played a tough game, you had to come back and play right away. Uh, you, you, the fan base uh, gradually got to be all Carolina if you played a Carolina team because teams lose and sell their tickets. And, you know, the people that buy the tickets are the people that live around there. So yep. whether it was in Greensboro or Charlotte, it didn't matter. It was going to be a tough game. Uh, it worked out still, obviously, in the end. You mentioned Lefty, and I remember there being, like, you talking about what it meant to you to win the ACC tournament. And remember you talking about because you knew how much it meant to lefty to win the ACC tournament in the 80s. And right. I don't remember exactly, you know, what the what the synergy was, but could you remind me of why that was so important to you and, and lefty's role in all of that? 
Yeah, it, it, it definitely was. I mean, uh, Lefty had a lot of success, but to win that tournament, that was something that was, uh, you know, it was proven very difficult to do. And I, I know when he got it, we talked a little bit, you know, how important that was, you know, as being connected to Maryland. I had gone to school there, played there. So it was big for me. And and you talked to Maryland alumni, a lot of the older alumni back then in uh, 2004, that was as important to them as winning a national championship. It really was. And it's just the, the frustration of going down there with good teams and not being able to win. I, I think that just, you know, was in a lot of people that connected to the University of Maryland. So when, you know, the few times that we did win, um, you know, with Lefty and myself winning an ACC tournament, that, that, was, that was big. It clearly was. It was a big deal. Do you do you do you feel any sadness that it that it doesn't exist? I say this like the ACC doesn't really exist anymore, right? Like no, it's, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's not. You know, we same. we got a lot of heat when Maryland went to the Big Ten. Obviously, I think it was 2014. But the the big, you know, the ACC had already basically broke up the Big East. They took all the football schools from the Big East: Syracuse, Virginia Tech, you know, Miami, whatever. They they all became part of the ACC and, and you know, the, the big East has reformed and that they're a good basketball league, but you know, it's, it's no, nothing compared to what the big East was when you, when you had, you know, so many really good tough teams in there. Now you look at the ACC. I mean, when you, when that was a nine team league, you, you played a ranked team, probably half your games in a normal ACC season. And everybody knew the teams, you know, the, the rivalries, uh, all, all that stuff was there. Like, if we were to stay in the ACC, our travel partner was going to be Pittsburgh. Right. You know, we would play Pittsburgh twice a year, every year. Yeah. And, like, who, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, <laughs> ACC, you, you can't comprehend that. Well, you of know, course, but, your noted rival, Pittsburgh, everybody, that legendary Maryland Pitt yeah. rivalry that's gone back for decades. Coach, I'm always, I've always been a fan of Coach K, but I thought he was so small minded in his, like, sort of picking Maryland as, like, Hell, you you left the ACC. Yeah, we won't play. Well, we won't you. play you yeah. anymore. I thought it was so small-minded, and the changes yeah. that have come about since then. I think make that decision. They're going to be really in a league petty. with SMU and Stanford. Right, moving right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, you you look at you know the things that were said critically about Maryland leaving and going to the Big Ten were done by the ACC. They did the same things. Yeah. That, you know, Maryland leaving, but that's okay because it was their league. You know, that that, that right. was okay right. when that happened. Right, we're allowed to do and, it. And that, you know, it, it's just, it's, you know, the, the landscape changed. You know, everybody's, you know, gotten in these mega leagues, the power conferences, uh, all that, you know, that's, that's the future. Whether we like it or not, I, I mean, I'm a traditionalist, I'm old, I don't particularly like it, but it's here, you know, the, the, and it's going to get worse. The, there's going to be, a couple mega conferences that have twenty some teams, and you know, it'll, it, all of this is football driven. By the yeah. way, in other words, there, there'd be no expansion if there was no football. You'd still have the ACC the same and all that. So it's just the money involved with TV contracts with football and the football playoff. I, I just saw they they get one point six billion for the next six years with ESPN, and that's what's out there. College presidents. They talk about academics and all those things. That's fine. But the bottom line is there's a lot of dollars out there if you're part of one of these big leagues now. Coach, how much time do you spend watching college basketball now? Are you really that dis- detached from it, or is it 
nightly ritual for you to sit there and watch teams like Creighton and Iowa State and all that? Um, I, w- I watch more teams now when I was coaching. You, all you basically watched was videotape of your next opponent. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you didn't watch Pac-10. You didn't watch, you know, any any of the other games. And as you got closer to uh, tournament time, you, you watched some of the uh, conference tournaments for sure. You know, you, you watch that. But now, you, you know, you got time. So I, I watch a, a lot of games. Uh, I like to compare teams sometimes because you, you hear about some of these teams, and unless you get a chance to watch them, that you don't know how good they really are, you know, things like that. And plus, I, I watch a lot of my uh, granddaughter's games. She's a guard on Wright State's women's team. So I get to watch that on ESPN Plus. So that's awesome. I, that's, <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. Coach, I, I, I wonder, you know, obviously, it's it's been a tough season for Maryland this year and up and down. And I, I know that. There was a lot of excitement coming into this year because of how much success Kevin Willard found in his first season. Has has this year to you been a reminder of how difficult this is when you come into a program that anyone who expects that you're just going to have a ton of success immediately that that's not that's not a reasonable thought process for someone that's trying to lay some groundwork. No, I think it's it coaching's true of uh, probably a lot of jobs where you think you know program before you take the job but you don't really know it until you get there and and get caught up in the whole uh, routine of the job and they had a great year last year they won an a, uh, NCAA tournament game um, they were a strong team and this year I, I think that the defense is exactly the same and everybody that watches Maryland basketball knows that they they've had trouble scoring you know it's basically come from three uh, three players uh, the scoring and as the season goes on, other teams pick up on it, do things to try to take a young out of the game and, you know, things like that. So it's been really tough. And I think the freshmen, people thought, well, those freshmen are going to come in and they're going to play great. Well, very few freshmen come in and play great their first year. Uh, it takes time. And I think you're starting to see signs that some of the freshmen at Maryland are starting to play better now. And I think that's going to be a key down the stretch. And, you know, the Big Ten tournament is how well – the other guys uh, can play beside the three main players that score all the points. Coach, uh, the headaches you had when you were running the program, how different is today's game from, you know, Kevin's headaches as to what he's got to manage? How, how much different is it than it was when you were coaching? Well, when I came in, it wasn't any fun because of the sanctions uh, from the previous administration uh, no TV, no NCAA tournament for a couple of years, uh, reduced scholarships. We've had to pay a pretty big fine back then in 89. Um, nowadays, you know, your team is year to year. We, we had the opportunity when all of us that were coaching during that period had the opportunity to build a program. Very few guys even thought about transferring. And now transferring is looked at as not a negative. Uh, it's what players do. They find out their worth with the NIL and all that, those things and going to the transfer portal, hoping somebody will bid on them really. In other words, the transferring is based on a lot of times how much money I can get at another school rather than it's a better playing situation. The, the, the coaching staff I, I like better. That, that's, that's secondary. The, the most important thing is for a lot of these transfers is how much money 
they can get at their next place that they go. Coach, of course, you, we think of you as being a great basketball coach, right? Like that's, that's eternally what we would talk about when we say Gary Williams, man, you can give him anybody and he could coach them. Could, do you feel like that could have still worked in this era of basketball, just being a basketball coach? Or do you say, I don't know that, that I would have been able to do this in this era? Well, I, I think you have to have a, a you have to accept what's here. The the NIL, every every major school has a collective that raises money so that they can be competitive uh, with the best players in the country in terms of what they can get. Uh, you know, we all saw the Hunter Dickinson saga as he yeah. left Michigan and wound up at Kansas. I mean, that's that's worth a million dollars to the kids, so you can't really fault him for getting a million dollars this year for playing for Kansas. Um, and that's just the way it is. And so you have to be able to be competitive in that area. That, that was an area I didn't have to worry about. You know, there was no uh, meeting people trying to get them to contribute to, to, uh, you know, to, uh, to get some money together so you can get some players. And when you think about it, that that's, that's as important as anything. Now, you know, you, you can be a good recruiter as an assistant coach, but if you if you don't have the money to back up your recruiting mm-hmm. effort, you're not going to get that player 90 percent of the time now. Yeah, they're just going to go to a program that's loaded and happy to help. I completely get it. I should also plug that, of course, Gary's involved with the Basketball Coaches DC podcast, um, which is available wherever you get your podcast. Of course, Chris Naki a part of that. Ed Tapscott. Um, Coach, there are a couple names that I wanted to run by you, as you are, of course, a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer. This weekend, the Hall of Fame will trim the list down of nominees to the uh, the semifinalists, and there's two names on that list that stand out that I just wanted to, to, to get a thought, and I don't know if either one of them is going to make the list of the semifinalists. The first one is the great Buck Williams, who I feel like his accomplishments are just almost like completely forgotten from that era Hard of to basketball he's not in, in and how truly great Buck was. Yeah, you almost look at that and – you would think that uh, there should be a veterans committee like baseball has yep. that can pick guys from different eras. And Buck Williams, uh, he'd, be, he'd be a great – put Buck Williams on Maryland's team this year. Maryland Shoot. might be a Final Four team <laughs> because that one big, tough inside player that gets your 15 rebounds a game, that type of thing, that was Buck Williams. And he was never hurt. You know, he just was consistent. He could score inside played in the NBA for 15 years, he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. But like you guys said, time goes by. People have short yep. memories sometimes. You know, it's always that next great player that people talk about. And, you know, Buck, Buck is – I've gotten to know Buck uh, very well and one of the great people, one of the great representatives of the University of Maryland. The other one I wanted to run by you, I genuinely don't think I've ever asked you about him, and I don't know what your relationship was like, but I'm pretty sure you guys played against each other a couple of times. We just lost him a couple years ago. One of the winningest coaches in basketball history, Jim Phelan from out at Mount St. Mary's. Um, I, I, again, I, I won. I, I'd be kind of interested to know what kind of relationship you had with him and how crazy it is to you that a guy that all he ever did was win like a thousand games isn't in the Hall of Fame at this point. It's... Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, Jim Phelan, uh, obviously, what he accomplished at Mount St. Mary's uh, is incredible in terms of number of wins. I, I think, once again, the. the the, the, the time he had a lot of those wins and, you know, the lack of publicity, lack of TV um, yeah. Yeah. that you get at a place like Mount St. Mary's goes into that. And, you know, certainly based on number of wins, he, he should be in the Hall of Fame, whether that impresses the committee. And I think it's 24, 25 people on the committee. 
And I know there's been uh, some letter writing done for uh, Jim Fallon uh, to the committee. It just, you know, you, you, you send a letter to the Hall of Fame committee. That That's what you do. And uh, Jim Fallon, uh, you know, you, you look at, to me, you should look at the impact that a Jim Fallon has had on the game. All the players that have played for him, yeah. gone on to be successful, things like that, really don't uh, get the attention that, that, you know, things like that should get. When you when you look at situations like that, and the you know the, the Hall of Fame has expanded in terms of the number of college coaches they take, so um, you know hopefully he gets his turn uh, this year. Coach, last question I've got for you is: I know how much this program means to you, what you kind of gave up to come to Maryland, and what you had to fight through there. Um, is the program, in your estimation, in Good hands in Kevin Willard right now. Yes, it is. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he was a seat in the hall, and that's one of those jobs where you don't have the same uh, resources that a lot of the Big East teams had, and you had to fight for everything and, and do that. So he's got that that uh, that in his makeup as a coach. You know, his ability to fight, and he'll he'll you know you go into the Big Ten now, especially next year with Southern Cal, UCLA, you know things like that. The travel that's going to be involved. I think he's tough enough for the job, and then that's important now. You know the basketball is important, but you have to be tough enough for the job, and I think Kevin can do that. Plus, he's you know it's this you know this time of college basketball. You know he's he's young enough where he can uh, wrap around this whole NIL. Uh, transfer portal process and you know you look at the the good teams now in college basketball most of them have at least one or two transfer portal guys because uh, coaches would rather take a guy that average say 10 points a game and yeah. a pretty good team in college and take a high school guy who might be averaging 25 points a game in a you know w- weak high school conference or a decent high school conference and you know obviously there's the top 25 high school players out there that everybody wants. But after that, I think a lot of college coaches would prefer to get a guy out of the transfer portal. And, you know, I think you're seeing it in college basketball this year with all the upsets, teams not being good teams, ranked teams not being able to win on the road, you know, losing an incredible amount of games on the road. And I think part of that comes from um, the makeup of your team each year is going to be different in a lot of situations and you don't develop that toughness that you do over two, three-year period when you have players for that length of time that, you know, are playing for something more than just stopping off at your place for a year. Uh, they're, they're playing for the school. They're playing for their teammates, even though they are getting some money in, in the NIL process. Before we let you go, Coach, my last one, the conversation came back up again this week about expanding the tournament, which is just so bonkers to me like I can't there's 68 teams in this thing to begin with um what what do you make of the idea that there's this continuous push to try to get more mediocre power conference teams in the tournament well I I think that's that has to be looked at if you're going to expand do you you know hopefully that will help some of these one big bid leagues especially when they have an upset in their conference tournament I've never understood these one bid leagues having the winner of the conference tournament go to the NCAA tournament. It should be the regular season winner because you put a lot of time in three months of basketball into being first place in your, in your conference in the regular season. But, you know, the ACC was the first conference to have a uh, 
conference tournament, and they did it so that they could make money. That, right. that became a big moneymaker, and that's why other teams, other conferences eventually went to a conference tournament. And, um, you know, the, these other leagues where the conference tournaments really aren't moneymakers, they're, they're not big, that big of a deal. You know, they, they send that winner of the conference tournament. So I, I, I can see, you know, there's more good teams out there, that's for sure. Uh, football, you look at the percentage of uh, Division One football that goes to bowl games, it's much higher than the number of teams that get into the NCAA tournament. There's 360 teams now in Division One basketball, um, and so 68 go out of there. So there's a push for expansion. Obviously, there's money involved, like there always is uh, in this situation, because TV would jump on it and certainly like more games. So we'll see how it goes. Coach, I got one last one I wanted to squeeze in. Uh, I know you, you've got to be pretty giddy about the success Mike Loxley has had in turning the football program around. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, Mike has come in, and um, he's done a great uh, grassroots job of really combing this area. You know, the the, 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 the whole DMV area is a great area. Uh, a, lot, a lot of good players around here in football and basketball, and Mike's done a great job of that. He's He's from this area. He knows the area, you know, all those things. Plus, he has a very good staff, uh, got guys that, you know, know football, get football. And it's going to be interesting with the expansion, you know, of UCLA and Southern Cal, for example, coming into the Big Ten, how that affects Maryland football, how it affects everybody's football. But Mike is uh, he's a classy guy. You know, he's come in and he's won over a lot of people. And uh now we need people to start coming to the football games. Darn I right. think that's yep. the next big thing. I get tired of that. You know, they, they want a good football program. Well, you go to Ohio State and play a football game, you know, you got 105,000 people screaming at you all the time. You, you come and play Maryland, there, there might be 30,000, 35,000 on, you know, on a good day, you know, in the stands. And that, that's, you know, it's, it's tough in a metropolitan area. I understand that. I understand that with basketball, how tough it is unless you're really good to get people, you know, game in game out to come but you know there's there's six seven football games a year and you know hopefully uh, our attendance will really start to spike because of the job that mike loxley and the football program have done think about that weekend down in greensboro a lot coach think about mike Grinnan knocking down those free throws in overtime that's a special oh, yeah. memory how about uh, how about that 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 was mike never shot a pressure free throw in his life until those two right. free throws and he swished both of those free throws and he also guarded J.J. Redick, the last possession in regulation that Duke had where Redick missed a jump shot. And, of course, Mike said he was all over him. That's why he missed uh, <laughs> after the game. But I think there was a, a – Redick had a pretty good look, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, he had a decent look, just didn't make that one. I think I remember right, Chris Duhon was talking trash to Grinnan before he went to the free throw line. Like, you'll never make oh, yeah. this. You don't yeah. play. It hey, was... Coach, they got, they got Beeline now is in the booth, uh, you know, doing uh, color analy- you know. Uh, yeah, for ESPN. Yeah, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. Now in the Big Ten Network. He, oh, Beeline. Right. Beeline. I was thinking of um, well, How come you're not in the uh, doing that uh, stuff from the I studio? I did it for a year. That wasn't me. I, that I wasn't you. I, I okay. should have waited. I should have waited a couple of years because I was still in the coaching. You know, you don't just – when you stop coaching, you, 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 the mentality is still there as a coach where, you know, they wanted you to uh, feel critical of other coaches and things like that. And I, I didn't, that wasn't me. You know, I, I know how tough it is to coach. I wasn't going to criticize somebody for not calling timeout or, you know, whatever. So 
But, uh, you know, if I waited a couple of years, I think I could have done it. Uh, you know, and if Beheim could do it, you know, <laughs> a lot of guys can do it. So. Coach, uh, it's always a thrill spending time with you. I'm looking forward to the celebration tomorrow, the 20th anniversary. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on and look forward uh, to tomorrow. It should be a great day. Thanks, Coach. Coach Gary Williams with us here on GCR. Always appreciate him like taking the time. You had a tear in your eye coming out. No, no. I, but, I, but I'll tell you, that was a special. That that yeah. 04, just because no one saw it coming. Yeah. No one saw that coming. Yeah. This was, the, the, in a way, the national championship was expected, right? Like, after everything they had been through, the season they had had, no one in 04 thought there was a world in which that Maryland team was winning. They went 7-9 and nine in conference play that year. Yeah. They were mid. Yeah. In I, when I lived down there, I went over to Greensboro a couple times. I mean, that is like a really ferocious environment it is. to win a tournament. And they and if they, you're Maryland, and they played all three. They played Wake Forest, NC State, Duke. They didn't right. play Clemson, or I mean, Clemson would still had a lot of support. They were playing all of the teams that that have Carolina fans. A hundred percent. No one saw that thing it's coming. A good visit. Yeah, I always appreciate Gary taking the time for us. And I, I hope that um, Jim Phelan, Buck Williams make it through this first cut uh, tonight. But I don't feel good about their chances because this ain't the first rodeo for those guys. Um, and just for some reason, I thought that Gary's point about there should be a veterans committee. Definitely. Like any the, any Hall of Fame should have a like veterans the same committee. the same group of people looking at these people yeah. every year and coming to the same conclusion that. It's insanity. That's it would at least be nice to have another group of people, another group of eyes, people that, that and and maybe you get a little bit more distance yeah. that, that have a different thought process and say we think you're missing something on. I mean, look at Art Modell, not to beat a dead right. a dead horse, right. literally dead horse, but she's right. a whiz. Uh, it's now like a dead issue because yep. we've moved Just, on to an entirely new generation. Yeah, you know. Stan the Fan Charles is here in studio with us. Always appreciate him hanging out on a Friday. And I always appreciate delicious Goose Flights Lager. They're available right now in cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, all of the Glory Days Grill locations in the state of Maryland. Also available in cans at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. And available in cans at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane in Roland Park. Available in cans and six-packs at Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North. And, of course, the Costas Inn in Dundalk. And six-packs and cases still available at the Wine Source in Hamden. It's not just a delicious beer. It's not just an awesome collector's can. On top of those things, it's also doing good for now even our community, as we've heard from Sammy Saragusa that folks in need in this area have started reaching out to the Goose Flights Foundation and the work that they're doing to provide non-emergency medical transport for those in need. One ninety-eight from every can sold goes directly to the Goose Flights Foundation and what they're doing to continue Tony Saragusa's legacy. If you want to know more, if you already forgot those places that I just listed that Goose Flights is available, go to pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights and find it there and enjoy a Goose Flights this weekend, uh, or 6, or, or 12, or 107. I don't know. I don't want to tell you how to live your life. When we come back in, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kyle Bradish and uh, John Means, too, I guess, as uh, our friend Will Carroll, the injury expert, will join us next. Stands here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. Back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Friday edition of the program. Stan, you've had a busy week doing shows once again. Yeah, um, Ross Grimsley and I had Scott McGregor on again, talking about what it's like to get into the spring training mode. And then uh, last night uh, had a really good conversation with Eric Garfield. You can find those shows, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video. And as always, they're brought to you by... Superbook Sports, the Costas Inn, and A.J. Michaels Heating and Air Conditioning. And by the way, Eric Garfield at Eric underscore Birdland. Of course, down it. He's added about... he's putting up videos yep. now from down there. He's added about 300 to 400 Twitter followers this week. It's good content. Everybody wants to see everybody, all the guys doing arm circles. They want to see everybody stretching. 
We want to see all of it. That's what. That's that what we were. Great stretches that, that was, from Ryan. That was O'Hearn. Griffin and I's first fifteen minutes of the day yesterday until everyone got hurt. <laughs> we were having such a good day talking about arm circles. <laughs> Like, what a day today is. Did and you then, find out while the show was going on? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was a real, what a real damper. I had scheduled a, a, a <laughs> an hour-long breakdown of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees this year <laughs> as Kyle Bradish is probably going to be done with it. It was a lot of fun. Mm. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the uh, Orioles injury situation. A longtime baseball writer, friend of mine. It's been too long since I caught up with him. He's the injury expert, and he's got the under-the-knife sub-stack. Let's uh, find out a little bit more about what he thinks about the news, particularly for Kyle Bradish. He's our friend Will Carroll, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Will, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, buddy. Stan the Fan Charles is here in studio with me this morning as well. Thanks for hopping on with us. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been too long. It's been way too long. I know it's a busy weekend out in Indy as well, obviously, with the All-Star game. Yeah, going exactly. On. You know, uh, All-Star weekend is huge. We've got the uh, giant uh, LED court getting yeah. ready to go at Lucas Oil Stadium. The you know dunk contest in the dome should be pretty good. I hear they're going to keep the roof closed, uh, which is good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, Indy does events. We know how to do this kind of thing uh, and do them upright. I will have to admit, I will watch none of it. Will I'm sorry, it's just not for me anymore. Oh, but yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. The dunk contest is so washed. But oh, I, it's awful. I'm really hoping the one moment is going to end up being that Curry versus. Oh, I ask you, yeah, that's pretty good. That should yeah. be pretty good. And then hopefully they'll run it back next year with Caitlin Clark. Um, all right, so, Will, obviously, the, the immediate reaction to news like this with Kyle Bradish, and Stan and I talked about it earlier, Stan wrote about it, it it's, it's hearing that, that he's hurt right now, but it's the secondary fear that comes along with that, that any time you're talking about basically any type of an elbow injury, but particularly this one, the immediate thought is, oh, well, can we just skip to the part where they say he's going to need Tommy John surgery and get on with it? Yeah. Um, is that what your gut tells you about what you heard about Kyle Bradish yesterday? Yeah, it's certainly headed that way. But, you know, you have to take the chance. You know, if it's a small enough tear, and you can see on the MRI pretty clearly, if it is a small enough tear that could heal up, that you could hit him with PRP, that you can hit him with other biologics, that it might heal up in a matter of weeks, you have to take that chance because, you know, Four to six weeks is not a big thing when you're talking about 12 to 18 months. If you could have Bradish back uh, as soon as May, that is worth the gamble of waiting and seeing. Yes, the vast majority of UCL injuries are going to end up with Tommy John surgery or the newer augmented surgery. Uh, but uh, with, with this one, you, you do have to worry that it's headed that way, uh, that that Corbin Burns trade looks even smarter now. Um, but remember, again, one of the things that, that fans uh, don't understand is one, one of the key things a team has as an asset is their medical staff. And, and these days, the sports science staff, uh, you know, people focus on the analytics staff, on the coaching staff. But that sports medicine and sports science staff is, is huge. And the staff they have there in, in Baltimore ranked as one of the top ones of the last two years. So I think that that should count for something as well. Well, they call it a UCL, UCL sprain, but yeah. it is a tear, isn't it? A sprain is a tear. Okay. The definition of sprain is the tearing of a ligament. Okay. So what we do is we grade it. You know, anytime you hear somebody say, oh, it's not torn, it's just a sprain, they're an idiot. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, just as simple as that. Yeah. A sprain is a tear. If you go to my Twitter feed, uh, I wrote an article about this in 2014 uh, explaining the difference. When you strain, a strain is just uh, the tearing of a tendon or a muscle. Uh, so it comes in degrees. Anytime you get to about a 25 to 33% thickness tear uh, of, of the full thickness of the ligament, that's where it has to be reconstructed. Uh, or, uh, again, I mentioned this earlier, there's now augmentation where they can put a, a piece of suture tape in there. It's kind of, it looks kind of like a really small shoelace made out of Kevlar uh, or a Kevlar-like substance, and that overlays it, and guys are coming back in weeks. I have a thing, uh, not terribly far from you guys, there was a, a girl that tore her ACL, was back playing six months to the day, playing. Uh, and so that kind of surgery, we're seeing huge, huge jumps. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, worst case, that's one of the possibilities that's fasc- uh, for, for Braddock. That's fascinating about women's tears because aren't they more prone to tears? Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, first, they're, they're usually not given as much care. Um, it, it's just one of the sad things about America. Uh, the other is they're a little more prone to it from the, the anatomical standpoint, right, that's right. Uh, the, the way the thing. But there's actually studies showing that's not really that big a deal. Uh, when you take a look at, at ACL prevention programs and soccer, we've seen 45% reductions. And yet youth sports around America do almost none of this. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, let me follow up that. So tell us. Exactly, and I'm I'm a little familiar with this, but I certainly couldn't explain it as well as you. Uh, what the PRP injection? Where did yeah. that start to come from? And is there actual medical data that supports that it can help the healing process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, PRP is platelet-rich plasma. What they do is they take your blood out of you put it in a centrifuge and get the basically spin the platelets out there. So it's a concentrated blood product from yourself. Um, they inject it back in. The theory is, uh, and this started in the late 70s, early 80s, the theory is that the healing factor is in the platelets. If you can put it directly into the healing site rather than waiting for the body's own process, you can speed the healing. There's a lot of studies on this and things like it. Um, They're very mixed. Um, I can remember hearing Dr. Andrews back, gosh, probably seven, eight years ago, saying he did it on pretty much all his patients. He wasn't convinced it helped, but he knew it didn't hurt. So, you know, even if you're just getting a placebo effect, uh, then, then, you know, it's something. There's other products where they add things in, uh, things like orthokine. You probably remember Kobe Bryant going to Germany for, for yeah, therapy. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not legal here because uh, it takes the blood out, adds things to it, and is stored for over 24 hours. Um, there are other things like biologics, which are, you know, basically uh, other agents. You know, when you talk about some of these miracle drugs we have now, uh, like Humira and things that are for other diseases, it's things that are biosimilar. Uh, and so you'll see things like that. So you'll often see uh, things like stem cell injections. They, they basically take the bone marrow out of your hip and then inject it into the site of an injury, again, hoping to uh, speed up the healing process. 
is Will Carroll, the injury expert, the under-the-knife substack. He's with us here on GCR. Will, if, if we could talk timeline a little bit. So both scenarios, the scenario where the tear is not that bad and, and it doesn't immediately require surgery, what does that timeline look like for Kyle Bradish? And on the flip side, like at what point, if you're going to end up having the surgery, do we say now it might impact Kyle Bradish's availability for the start of 2025, and and when's the appropriate time for that decision to be made? Yeah, you you make it when it's medically necessary. You know, you're going to do the PRP, you're going to do the the therapies and rehab and rest. There's not really a whole lot they can do, and he'll get out there. A couple of years ago, I remember, gosh, this is probably five six years ago. Uh, Matt Moore had the same situation. I was down at spring training. He went out with a trainer to play catch through two times, looked at the trainer, dropped his glove, and walked off. He knew at that point it wasn't working. So it's usually a combination of, of the medical information and the player himself. So uh, it'll be done. I would think they'll know by this time in March, uh, certainly before the season starts. Is there a standard at this point for if it ultimately is Tommy John, like what what the recovery time looks like at this point. I mean, I, I know Tommy John is not the death knell that it once was, yeah. but oh, yeah. it, it, is there a standard at this point for, hey, assume that means it's going to be 12 months, it's going to be 14 yeah. months, whatever it is. Yeah, there, it's usually 12 to 18 months. You know, sometimes we see the 18 months as the calendar. You know, If you're ready to come back in December, there's no games in December. Right. Uh, sometimes they're setback. You remember John Means last year. He was ready to go in spring training and hurt his back. That has nothing to do with his elbow. It took him 18 months to come back, but he was probably ready at the 12-month mark as far as his elbow. Um, you know, w- the other thing to remember is there's that newer procedure, the augmented uh, repair. So if that's the case, that should take a shorter amount of time, and we're seeing more and more guys have that. Uh, the guy that did John Means with Keith Meister didn't do that for him, uh, wasn't appropriate. But maybe that's an option for Bradish. We're seeing that come back right at the 12-month mark, but there's no reason for it. I know there's cases of lower-level players coming back in six months. So major league teams are really, really conservative uh, and tend to be overly conservative with these. So I would say a year uh, for most things. The, the question I have is about John Means now. Yeah. He had the complication last year, like you said, the back, but then he looked like sort of the old John Means sure for a couple yeah. of starts, and then, unfortunately, he wasn't going to be able to participate in the postseason, so they took him off the roster. It's four and a half months later, and there's still some lingering issues with this. They're talking a good game like, end of April or something, but, but what do you think's going on there? And I know you probably haven't examined him, but you know, (laughs) yeah, I have not. And I'm not a doctor, so you wouldn't want me to do that. But you Uh, did sleep. You did sleep at a holiday Inn express last night. I did not. I slept at home last night. We're uh, in a lot of trouble now. (laughs) It's one of those things where there's a number of reasons there can be some irritation. One of the the complications we often see with Tommy John surgery, and it happened to Tommy John himself, is the nerve gets entrapped in the area. The ulnar nerve, what we think of as the funny bone, goes down into the forearm, obviously, uh, and that can get entrapped by just natural scarring, inflammation. There can be bone spurs. uh, It's drilled in there. So just the anchors 
can be irritating for some reason. And those can all be corrected. Uh, a lot of times you just have to get comfortable with it. Uh, there's a number of things you can do. The first thing they're going to do is hit them with some sort of anti-inflammatory, depending on what they think it is. Uh, so this is something that could be anything from very literally a nothing, where he comes back in a couple days. Uh, it does set him behind, but I don't even think behind is that big a deal in the modern uh, Major League Baseball. I wrote about this today at Under the Knife. Uh, you can get the, the reps you need. Uh, we're doing better and better with the off-season training. It's not like guys are showing up uh, to camp out of shape to get into shape. They're showing up at camp to get reps, uh, to work on certain things, but it's still way too long. Uh, we see guys like Blake Snell and uh, Cody Bellinger. They're sitting down there in uh, Mission Viejo getting ready. I'm not sure it's not better for them to be at the Boris Institute than it is for them to be uh, at, at camp with, hmm. with a team doing arm circles. Hmm. One day I asked you, you mentioned Bellinger. Uh, as I get older, and I'm in my early 70s, Will, uh, and I play a lot of fantasy baseball, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning that shoulder surgeries are perhaps, for an offensive player, are perhaps the hardest thing to come back from. And yet, when I listen to people talking about Cody Bellinger, they talk about him as if he was a great player, and then all of a sudden he fell off and he hasn't been the same player. Now he came back. How long does it take to really recover, to gain that strength you need to, to be the hitter you were before a shoulder surgery? It's usually about a year. You know, a couple of years ago, Neil Elitras, the surgeon for the Dodgers and so many other uh, top athletes, uh, he told me that putting together a shoulder is like putting together a puzzle without the box top. You know, a knee is basically a hinge. An elbow is basically a hinge. A shoulder, on the other hand, does so many things and is made up of so many structures. So when you're putting it back together, you're just hoping you're putting it back together the way it was supposed to. Then you have to get into the biomechanics. You have to get into the strength, how everything moves together. Uh, It does take a while. Matt Kemp was the one, uh, I think, was kind of the prototype for this. It took him two years. I mean, this guy went from all world to nothing and then came back and had a good you know, finish to his career. He never was quite as good as he was, but who is uh, as we age. Uh, But this is one of the things where Bellinger has showed he can be a good player when his head's on straight, uh, when when everything's biomechanically sound and he's got such a long swing that that can get out. Uh, But he he certainly showed that the shoulder seems to be back. Uh, He's going to have to get with the right team. And (laughs) all these teams that are waiting for Scott Boris to drop his price on, on his guys, uh, man, I can't remember the last time that happened. <laughs> it's uh, that's a great point. It's a great point. All right, before we let you go, Will, the other, you know, as we we talking about Tommy John, obviously Felix Batista had to do it. I, we talk about it not being the death knell, but like Felix Batista was such a unique, like what he mm-hmm. was doing was was almost one of one a season ago. Mm. In twenty twenty five, can you assume? that Felix Batista can get back to that point, or do you need to see it before you good, believe that's the question. case? Well, yeah. I, there's no reason to believe he could do that again. There was no reason to believe he could do it in the first place. Yeah, that's There fair. are so many flukish uh, guys who show up, especially nowadays. You know, guys throwing 100 miles an hour are a dime a dozen. I just saw a college kid throwing 102 the other day. 
Uh, and that's Division Two, by the way. Um, so it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see whether or not the year off hurts him. With Tommy John surgery, 93% of people come back from it. And the 7% that don't, about 5% of those are really just college kids that decide, you know what, I don't want to do a year of rehab. I'm, I'm not going to play professional baseball. So it's the, the success rate is almost 100%. Um, it is as perfect surgery as has ever been created as we're sitting here in almost the 50th anniversary of it. Uh, so there's every reason to think Felix Batista is going to be able to come back, going to have all the skills he had. He's going to have a year to work on things. Is he going to be able to have that kind of season again? Man, I don't know. Uh, got one last question for you, Will. One of the most famous sports injuries when I was growing up was the line drive Gil McDougal hit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Herb score in the eye. And I got to talk to Herb score when he was announcing for the Indians, probably in the mid to late eighties. And the, the word I always heard was that he was fine physically, but he changed his delivery because he was out of fear of getting hit. Mm-hmm. And it, it created mechanical problems. He denied that to me, but I always heard that. How much of coming yeah. back from these injuries is mental? A lot, a lot, especially from that, because uh, we saw it last year more than ever before that pitchers were getting hit, and we we don't know why. It wasn't that they were getting uh, hits up the middle more. I think it's that batters are hitting the ball harder, harder. Yeah. Uh, that there's less less uh, reaction time. Uh, you know, if, if you get hit by a pitch by Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge, you don't want that. You don't want that by anybody. We've seen, you know, skull fractures last year, uh, two skull fractures. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, so we're going to have to do better on that. But both of those guys got hit in the face. Um, yeah, it's fear. With any injury, it's the confidence that comes back last. Yeah. I can remember, this is a football one, Deuce McAllister, uh, running back for the Saints, yep. had ACL surgery twice. And, you know, he was just running straight forward. He was scared to cut because the last time he cut, well, it hurt. Um, but he was playing this game. He was running up the middle. I think it was Brian Urlacher. It was one of those guys like Ray Lewis that, that wants to kill you as much as tackle you. <laughs> and out of, you know, fear for his life, he cut. And, you know, the guy missed. He's running up the sidelines for the touchdown. And you could see this shot of him. And in his eyes, it was like, oh, yeah, I can do that again. He went on to have a pretty good season. But it's that confidence. That's why guys coming back, it takes them a little longer. They have to believe they can do it again. They have to understand that their body's okay again. And they, they have to pull things together. I can remember Kerry Wood saying after his Tommy John surgery, he didn't feel like his hand was attached to his body the same way, hmm. even though you know, his hand was never the problem. That was how he felt. So getting confidence, getting the repetition, getting kind of that, that kinesthetic sense back is the thing that comes last. Uh, you want to tell everybody about Under the Knife and what they can find if they sign up Great today, Great stuff, Will? Will. Great stuff. Yeah, signing, signing up uh, for the 23rd year for just $5 a month. I'll give you all the injury info. Uh, unfortunately, today's is a little bit too much about the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, but we've got all the info. 
uh, and you can get that in your inbox every day at underthenife.substack.com. At Injury Expert on Twitter is how you follow him. We'll always appreciate you, man. I'll, I'll make sure we don't go this long before we talk to you again. Thank you for taking the time. Well, you know, it, it's good because yeah, it means there the, hasn't been a significant aren't it? right. right. <laughs> yeah, you are kind of the bearer of bad news, but I still appreciate. I, I'm, the I'm, I'm the grim reaper of fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you, Will. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Will Carroll with the Saron GCR, and yeah, we'll have to see, obviously, with Kyle Bradish to the point that we keep talking about. It's it's reasonable for us to make the assumption that there's not going to be good news that comes after this and that this is going to lead to Kyle Bradish needing Tommy John surgery, but to his point, and, and it's well taken, you got to let it play out. You have to allow for it to play out in the hope that that isn't actually the case and that the, the, the tear the strain, whatever you want to call it, is not as significant as we fear that it might be. Yeah. So, One name we'll, I'm sure we'll hear, but we've heard actually from the player. Somebody asked Trevor oh. Bauer on Twitter, thoughts on playing in Baltimore this year at Bauer yeah. outage? Mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense for the team, and I'd love to play there. Great match. No. Simple answer for me. No. And as I said before, you don't you don't have to do this. There's lots of other guys that are available. In fact, guys that pitched last year. Guys that like you have a recent track record of what they might be able to be capable of doing. Um I would add to it, we had Jim Bowden on recently and I I just threw it out there with him and almost as if he was telling me he knew something, he said Trevor Bauer's never pitching again. Yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. That almost like he stopped short of saying, I'm telling you that there's a whatever you want to do, there's yeah. collusion, there's, you know, a yeah, a, 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 a coordinated effort, effort. from teams, yeah. but he certainly made it seem that way in the answer that he gave me about that that mm-hmm. like I'm confident. Yeah. I'm not speculating. I'm confident. It ain't happening yeah. with Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Um, I assume you brought in the, the crown. You're gonna bestow upon me. I didn't realize we had a crown. I I thought that we got to get a John Colson on that to trade I, for a. You sponge. didn't go out and get the crown. Yeah, to get no, me I didn't, for winning our. Get the crown. Stan came in today. We Stan and I every week do a during the season we do our uh, our football picks. And uh, your boy was a big winner in that one. Which is good because I get nothing. Yeah. I get absolutely nothing. You get plenty that. of uh, nothing. Yeah, I get a whole. You get a hearty lot of handshake. Nothing. Yeah, thank you. Glenn ended up with twenty six points. He uh, aced his final. First of all, he got the five points for picking San Francisco to lose the Super Bowl. That was before the playoffs. We picked the Super Bowl right. winner and a Super Bowl loser. And, and then you had the uh, over-under. You, you had that correct, the over-under, 47 yeah. and a half. Yeah, got close it there, thanks to overtime. And um, if not for um, the, the kicker, right, missing been the a answer. whole different Well, but then it wouldn't have gone here. to overtime if he had made that kick. So. Well, Patrick Mahomes would have known he needed a touchdown. Oh, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, but the but if he kicks the extra, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They wouldn't yeah. have uh, okay. Uh, Twenty six points. You had the over under correct, and you also had Kansas City plus the one and a half, uh, and I ended up with seven points. Well, it was close. It was it was close. It was we were close. both we were both in it. 
Uh, that was our playoff competition that Stan and I had. You and I have not had an opportunity to talk about the Super Bowl this week, so it's a little bit of the fallout about the overtime stuff and the decision. We'll talk about that when we All come right. back in. Sounds All right? good. Stan the Fan Charles is here on a Friday edition of GCR. I guess we can just go to break now. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. All right, back in here on GCR on a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles is here. Coming to the final days for you to get the best of issue of Press Box. What date are we looking at for the uh, new? It's it's this week, right? comes out uh, Wednesday the 21st. Wednesday the 21st, yep. the new print issue of Press Box. Do we want to share? I, I have no problem with sharing that what's yeah. what's the cover for the, the new cover is just box. some of the carryover players that are going to make this team so special but we had we had yeah the, one of we them had was, some drama yeah. at the very end we had to change the cover i'll let people behind the uh, yeah. curtain a little bit yeah. we had bradish 
as one of four players on the cover, along with Gunner, uh, Rutschman, and Cedric, and now it's Santander okay. in place of Kyle Bradish. But a cool-looking cover, um, and uh, we're excited to get it out. That'll know. be this Wednesday, the new print issue of Pressbox. Since the theme is the, the hope of spring, and um, even despite some bummer news in the last 24 hours, obviously the expectations that surround the Orioles as spring training gets underway, that print issue of Pressbox will be available at uh, your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, and you can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com as it hits stands this Wednesday. By the way, uh, I had lunch Monday with this John Miller, not no, John Miller the, the broadcaster, right, John the Miller Earl the writer. Weaver He's writing an Earl Weaver book uh, called The Last Manager. Told him I wasn't crazy about the title, but uh, I understand where it's coming from, that today's managers don't really – yeah, they're managed more, the way yeah, you know they're yeah. they're kind of instructed what to do to a certain extent. Um, but I hooked them up with Buck Showalter, oh, thanks neat. to you. Very neat. And they had a conversation yesterday about half an hour. Well, that's very neat. Yeah. I think Buck would be a great contributor for a book like that. That's wonderful. I uh, it's been a, r- a random week for for connecting people. We had um, I I'm, I'm sure you've talked to him at some point in your life. I had never had. I don't think. I had never had Ken Burns on my show. I've never talked into, to Ken. Really? No, never have. So it was a really cool thing. I mean, the I'm Ken, sure it was. Ken Burns, um, the connection is that he's close friends with David Rubenstein. And, oh, um, he is? Yeah, and so he was happy to come on and tell us all about uh, uh, close friends. maybe. <laughs> he's, he's very good friends with David Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. And um, he was happy to come on and talk about that. And I was, like, genuinely tickled about it. And then my... <laughs> Longtime friend Jason Cole, longtime NFL writer, Hall of Fame voter, happened to be on the same day and was like, dude, you had Ken Burns on today? <laughs> like, that's one of the cool. I've never talked to Ken Burns. And so we got him in touch with Ken Burns and a book that he's working on. And he's now going to have Ken Burns uh, that's going to be a part of that book that he's going to contribute cool. to. So it's been a Very neat cool. week uh, for making you know, connections. I, I heard yeah, David Rubenstein, he's been the guy that's ba- basically kept the Kennedy Center alive. More or less, for, yes. For, but he's also donated huge amount of dollars to the to repairing and fixing the Constitution. Uh, uh, was it the Constitution? Or was it the the Declaration of Independence? I think it was <laughs> the de- uh, I think it was the Declaration of Independence. Yesterday, they had some goofs came into wherever the Constitution is is hanging or something okay. like that. And they threw some kind of red powder on it, it or something a, like was that? it a, a a global warming probably yeah, yeah thing. probably was. yeah right that's uh uh he he acquired the bill of rights bill of rights that's right the bill of rights he acquired so you know obviously part same of thing the, right well it, it is it's part of the constitution i mean it is so you were right. Did he have the Declaration of Independence? I thought gonna, he, uh, It's going to be wild when we find out David Rubenstein owns everything. <laughs> it's weird. All of our nation's history is owned. I guess I can tell David you now Rubenstein. he owns Pressbox. Ah! So we work as, for David Might Rubenstein. as well. Uh, yes, uh, he owns the, 19, seven, or the 1776 printing of the Declaration of Independence. And, of course, famously also once... I don't know if he owns it, but he bought it, and I think he might have donated it. Right. He uh, uh, famously also bought the Magna Carta at one point. So basically everything David Rubenstein has purchased at some point in his life. It's wild. Wild, wild, wild. All right, what did you think of Kyle Shanahan defer- or, uh, taking the ball in overtime on Sunday? What would you make of that whole thing? 
I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a major problem with it. it uh, I mean, I guess if you think it through <coughs> and say, if we only get a field goal, we're going to be up Shit's Creek, you know, I guess there is that thought, but I understand and don't believe he just thought of it at the last minute there. I think people are overreacting to like a video. They're conv- there is a, a thing this week where people are convinced this video that they saw on NFL Films means that Kyle Shanahan didn't know what the <laughs> rules were. And I am not, I have watched that video multiple times and I don't feel that way. I, it, I read that a number of the players yes, were not the familiar with the players, 100%. Rules. And that he clearly hadn't like reiterated <laughs> with the players going in. Right. But I'm also not sure, with all due respect, I don't know what difference that makes. Is, is your belief that a player is not trying as hard? It's the Super Bowl. Like you think of like ah, we can take this one. This one doesn't really matter anymore. If we just it's get overtime. The, if we just We've get the field goal, the get, like I, I'm not, I, I'm not sure. Well, it's certainly not a, um, uh, a line of uh, thinking that I w- would want. It, you know, you, you want to not leave a stone unturned uh, in terms of wanting your players to know everything. It does seem kind of idiotic. That the players didn't know the rules. Yeah, it would. It several would, of the players. You would think that there, as this is not just a Super Bowl rule, this is a playoff rule. You would think that that had been reiterated a few times during the course <clears throat> of the postseason. Um, that all being said, clearly in watching the NFL films videos this week, you could see the reaction from the Chiefs players where they're like, "What, really? Like, y'all want the ball? Okay, go right ahead." You take the ball. Like, there was this almost disbelief from Chiefs players mm-hmm. that that was the decision that the 49ers make. The analytics folks tell you it's not strong one way or the other. It's not, right. it is not a dramatic difference. It is a preference issue. And to me, the thing that played out is exactly why I wouldn't take the ball, which is you don't know that you need to go for it on fourth down, whereas the Chiefs knew they had to go for it on fourth Let, down. Let's put it this way. The second that the the 49ers kicked that field goal, I said, Game's that's over, the end right? of that game. Yeah. I said, the Chiefs are going to – there's no way Mahomes won't score a touchdown. Yep. You know, it's fascinating. I run this uh, Super Bowl pool, yes. and we had 80 entries in it this year. The guy who won first place and second place, my friend Fred, he was the, one of only two people that had Kansas City winning the Super Bowl. And it's unbelievable when you think about it that as the playoffs unfolded, everybody was saying, well, that guy's definitely going to win, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pretty amazing that only two people out of 80 had – now, I know there's a Baltimore bias because it's centered here. Right. But there were a number of people that had San Francisco well, San beating Francisco the Ravens. San Francisco was the favorite and, you know. going into the postseason. Yeah. San Francisco yeah. was the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl going into the postseason. Yeah. The Ravens followed. And I would assume, I don't remember looking back on it, but I think the Bills were the third favorite, um, not the Chiefs. May have, I think they may have been. So I, I get it. And they look, man, they use that. We make fun of these things all the time, right? But when the Ravens were getting mad about Mike Florio, we got it. We understood the emotional edge. We make fun of the Chiefs now. And I definitely thought the Travis Kelsey, you know, uh, Justin Tucker thing was way over the top. At the end. I mean, it was Im- almost embarrassing. But this worked. Say whatever you will about, I can't believe the Chiefs are trying to pretend like they're disrespected. Well, they, they to be fair, they were underdogs in all three of those games after the Dolphins game. Yeah. 
They were underdogs against the Bills. They were underdogs against the Ravens. They were underdogs against the 49ers. And their point, their belief is, dude, we've won two Super Bowls with the same coach, quarterback, and top pass catcher. And and you're telling us we're the underdogs? So we can make fun of them for it and say, like, dude, you know, you're the Chiefs. But they were. They were the betting underdogs in all of those games. You know, it was very interesting. We had Jay Cornegay on from Superbook yes. Sports, one of the great handicappers mm-hmm. uh, there. And he told us that the big money was on San Francisco and the smaller wagers right. and many, 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 many more were on Kansas City. In other words, it, a big preponderance of smaller bets we're in Kansas City. So what it really shows you is that the Super Bowl odds are somehow, not somehow, it's not magic. There's more money on the home, th- people betting on their home team that creates okay. the favoritism yeah, there's in some, the game. There's something to be said for and that. And there's more big money in San Francisco than there is in well, Kansas I, City. Okay, I would also say the public was on the Chiefs. I guess yeah, essentially, the right? Pub, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I would also say on. there's a level for the Super Bowl of there's more average people betting on the Super Bowl mm-hmm. than necessarily there are on you know a, a playoff game, two weekend, a divisional round game, or a regular season right. game. And I did get the feel of because remember he said the week before you couldn't buy a no one would put in a Chiefs ticket going into the AFC Championship game. Right. They couldn't get a Chiefs bet mm-hmm. from anyone against, going the Ravens. In, against the Ravens going to the AFC Championship game. It also very felt much felt like the thing that I talked about when we did our picks last week, which was just, dude, I'm I'm done. I'm not doing it again. Like I I think I said to you when you picked the 49ers, I think that's the right pick. I think the 49ers are the better team. But I'm just not doing it again. I'm not doing the thing where I bet against the Chiefs again mm-hmm. in a big game because I've been burned on it all throughout the course of the playoffs. And it felt, in talking to people, this is not scientific, like there were a lot more of me mm-hmm. that were that were feeling that betting last week, which is I'm not, even, I'm not even attempting to dissect the game, the matchup, anything along those lines. It's just these guys don't lose. Like they just, they're zombies. You can't kill them. And so I'm not going to bet against them again. I'm not putting myself through that exercise. It felt like the betting public was going through that a little bit with the Chiefs last week. And yeah. obviously it ended up working out in favor of the public and not in favor of the, uh, to your point, the the big money and the folks that might have been coming yeah. from the, um, the Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley area, 100%, that had all that money on the 49ers. Um, ultimately, as we say about the overtime thing, I don't think it matters a whole heck of a lot, but I... I just can't fathom, and I keep trying to talk about it this week, and nobody seems to have the appetite for it. That's what overtime should look like. Like I, I don't know why we're going to go back to the regular season next year and be satisfied with one team can score and the game is over. Like We, we know this is the fair and equitable way right. to determine the winner of a football game is to make sure both teams touch the ball. And we're just so desirous of doing anything other than that. Or just make regular season games end in ties or something, right? Like, I don't... I, why? <laughs> Why? Well, because apparently they refuse to make this the rule. It's like, bizarre, man. Like, this is the thing. It It's the way it should be. Both teams see the ball in overtime. There's not a – as we the analytics people are backing up, there is no particular advantage as to who wins the coin toss, which is the way it should be. It's a coin toss. A coin toss should not have a sizable outcome on a football game. 
It's literally a coin toss. This is the fair and equitable way to go about determining winners of football games. Why the NFL is so terrified of just saying, hey, this is the thing. And if you say you don't like it because you might have to turn around and have a short week the following week, well, then win the game in regulation. And then it's not your problem. But this is the equitable way of doing it, so this is the way that we're going to do it moving forward, and I'm befuddled as to why that's not the I'm case. I'm just glad to have it in the playoffs. A hundred percent. There was a time... Yeah. There was a time that a field goal would have won. The, like, the Super Bowl would have been over right. when the 49ers kicked the field goal. Right. They fixed it to at least get it so that the field goal part... Now, uh, again, both teams seeing the ball, to me, is the way. It is the end-all, be-all of how you should determine games. Uh, did you enjoy the Super Bowl? You know, you were excited yeah, I thought about... Yeah, I thought it was a pretty... Uh, the first half was <sighs> you know, dreadful. Yeah. You know, it was dreadful. Um I thought it was. I thought it was pretty entertaining. Okay, you think about you think about Usher. Didn't didn't, <laughs> didn't do anything for me. What about I liked, Reba? What I liked her. About? I liked her. Plus, yeah, did, hers, uh, amazing. hers amazing. She's unbelievable. Um, I you know, uh, watching somebody perform on my TV in my house that's at a you know a huge stadium like that just doesn't do it for me. You know, I. I understand that. I think there can be spe- – look, I think Usher is wildly talented, and I like Usher's yeah, songs. terrific. Um, so I enjoyed it, but as I said, I don't enjoy anyone doing the 10-second of a song thing. Like, yeah. I, I, I'll never be into I, – you could be my favorite artist of all time. I have no interest in watching you sing 10 seconds of one of your songs. Right. I would like for you to – Sing a song. Correct. That's, that's, that's what I want, and I, I'll always feel that way, and I don't care who's doing the halftime show in that case. Um I, I don't know. I I thought it was. I think what I, this is the way it goes with football games. Because it ended up being a thriller, we'll remember it as being a thriller. Yeah. We won't remember to your point that the first half of the game sucked. Yeah, it was terrible. It was just terrible. Awful. I mean, really awful. Um, a lot What'd of you think of the commercials. I didn't think there were many good ones. I thought it was a weak night for. I thought the Walken one was pretty. Entertaining. Yeah, I, thought, I just didn't like just that they ham-fisted Usher in it at the end because I thought the premise was good, <laughs> right? And they were delivering it upon it. I didn't think it needed to, right. to go anywhere else. And I don't know about you. I just got a kick out of the Schwarzenegger for. Uh, I thought it was uh, yeah. a, a, one of the better ones. Yeah. I, it's so simplistic. I said the best one all night was the stupid Reese's commercial with the guy banging his head into the wall. I and didn't then, see that. I oh, missed it was, that one. It was dumb, and it was funny, yeah. and it was excellent, and it didn't require you know, celebrity cameos right. or anything. It was just a good premise that was executed perfectly. It's amazing how many how many cameos there are in these commercials. Glenn wasn't a fan of the Duncan commercial. Not. The Duncan one was a good I know I, I totally I missed sort of, and I haven't gone back to look at it. It looked kind of stupid. It was over stupid. the top to me. It was, oh, it was, it was a fine idea. Yeah. It, the idea itself was silly, and you were like, okay, but then just never followed up with yeah. like actually being funny after yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah David and Ben Affleck. Right. It was a good it's, idea. In fact, I might like, get some Duncan after this now. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, it's like they don't, when, they don't sponsor us. It's like when, they, uh, it's the like when they do something with Duncan now. It's, uh, you know, it's almost like you're getting two sharks. You're getting Ben Affleck and Man-Man. Jennifer yeah, Lopez. Right. Oh, because they're yeah. sure, sure. That's fair. the Sarah V commercial, Michael Sarah. Yeah, I like the Michael Sarah commercial. Yeah. I thought that, that was, was good. Too. It was cute. I thought that was good. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I felt the same way about the commercials on the whole. Yeah. Don't forget that it's been kind of down for the commercials of recent. You know, oh, just over it's, the last. I would say, but I almost think that's because there's too much pressure. 
they, everybody's trying to throw everything at these commercials and forgetting the one a couple Timu. of years ago. What was the what was the the cell phone commercial where the guy like looks at his kid and is like, "What are were you a cop?" Like that was brilliantly funny, uproariously funny, and wasn't a like the I just do a short film that's funny. That's all you have to do. Be funny in one minute. You can be memorable even if you don't throw billions of dollars at the commercial. I, I, I think that we've kind of lost our way and the belief is that you have to do look at the stars that we got for this commercial. Well was the commercial good? Like I don't remember wasn't any of the one wasn't there one like maybe ten years ago it was for Master Lock about something about shooting bullet through it or something like that uh, and it didn't unlock or something i don't know i, I just yeah. vaguely remember you're great at remembering that stuff well, i can't I say i'm great at it i don't know about that uh you know it's great county sports zone is great we love county sports zone and they weren't in did they, I, they buy did an not ad they any? did not quite have the budget for the ad for the super bowl they're your headquarters for local high school scores, schedules, and standings across all sports. CountySportsZone.com is proudly sponsored by Toyota. I'm going to choose to try to wrap up the show earlier today as I had an extra game thrown at me this weekend. i got to do uh, James Madison UConn women's lacrosse tomorrow. Ooh, this sounds like JMU's pretty and good. JMU's very good. Yeah. It's a big game, um, but I did not Out know about it. No, it's uh, they're playing it at USA Lacrosse. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fantastic. I, I just did not. That know. is very convenient. It's <laughs> the closest thing I get to a home game, man. <laughs> Every time I get to work at USA Lacrosse, I say please, by all means. Uh, so I got to study up. I got some work to do. So we're going to try to wrap up the show on time today. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by SuperBook. As Stan, this is the master lock. I think uh, I did. I find it too. It's it was a like thirty second commercial. He, he shoots a gun one. at the. I didn't. I don't yep. remember this one either. Somebody some years it. that I've gone to. This is part of the reason why I won't go to Super Bowl parties anymore. That some years when I've gone to Super Bowl parties and people have been talking to me about commercials next, I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Because you're at a party, you're talking you to people. You don't remember the game don't. either. Right, more or less. So I'm out. I won't go anymore. Did your sons watch the game with you? Uh, until until Usher, we watched through Usher oh, and then uh, we had okay. them go to bed. After they missed that. a great game. Yeah, they missed all of the fun. Although, Mama, uh, uh, my Mrs. Clark made all the dips. She made a, she does a themed dip night. Yeah, what was the themed dip? The uh, themed dip. I think I have a picture of it actually. She did. She every year for the Super Bowl, she does her. She loves making buffalo chicken dips. So, but she puts it in a bread bowl that's shaped like a football. That's that's part of it. And then for the two cities, she did. So there's the bread bowl, the football bread bowl at the top with the buffalo dip. Uh-huh. Then the middle one is a Kansas City barbecue chicken dip, and the bottom one is a California burrito dip, was where she ended up and going. Where's the Vegas? No, she just did it for the teams involved. Like that's what Kansas she said. Oh, Kansas, Kansas City, City and San, San Francisco. Francisco. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's okay. what she decided to do for that. Very tell good. Her, so. Tell her next time to do add a third dip. Yeah, make it, well, we have, to, home, we have to do a fourth because okay. she's got to do her buffalo okay, dip. Gotta do we got to do four different dips. Right. So that was all they really cared about was getting the dip. That was the most important night, uh, part of the night for the boys. Well, good. They got good priorities. I agree with When their that. team's not involved, that's correct. <laughs> right. That's all that matters. Who cares who wins the game? Just have some delicious dip. All right, superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. When you sign up, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match. Win or lose. If you're betting like... The Daytona 500 this weekend, which is a thing that's happening. 
Joey Logano is the favorite at 10 to 1. Brad Keselowski, you can also bet everything in there. I put a lot on Keselowski. I know you've always said he's your guy. I know that's been. You can bet whether they finish in the top three. You can bet individually whether one driver is going to finish ahead of another driver. You're going to bet whether. Also, is it going to be a Ford, a Chevy, or a Toyota that wins the race? All sorts of bets like that available right now for the Daytona 500 at Superbook. Again, download the Superbook app. Go to Superbook.com. Use the code GlennClark23 or StanCharles23. When you sign up, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. You're all in on Keselowski. That's your that's my that's, guy. That's, that's your guy, guy, no matter By what. By the way, I just watched that commercial. It's a great Master <laughs> The Master Lock, Lock commercial. commercial. The guy's got a high-powered rifle. Okay. And it the lock is on a target in the center of the bullseye. And it does Locked. Yeah. And he hits it right in the center of the lock, and it's still locked. It's a very effective commercial. Very effective, very effective, very effective commercial. I'm with you on that. I'll go Denny Hamlin. We'll, we'll, you want to put a little side action on no, this? No. no. <laughs> Tired of supporting you. <laughs> Fair enough. It's tidbit. What do you got, Griffin? Um, so, of course, Caitlin Clark did set the uh, all-time record sure in uh, points scored all-time in women's college basketball. Um, so go ahead, uh, please, can you round out the top five here? In women's in college women, basketball? Women's scores. Uh, Kelsey Plum, Kelsey Plum is number two, obviously. Ken um, Clark did do it Keselowski. at least many games. No, I don't think, I don't no, think uh, Brad Keselowski made the... Uh, he used to yet. do drag. He used to, really? He, he I, used to, I must have missed that part of his career. I think that meant drag racing. Oh, drag racing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it oh, was yeah. drag racing. Um, misunderstood. <laughs> Okay. I used to know the answer to this question, but I I'm not. No idea. I'm not sure that I know. Uh, uh, Candace Parker. No, not Candace Parker. Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner is top five. She's fifth. Fifth. Took her 148 games though, whopping 148. Pathetic. If she hadn't been a hostage, would right, you have remembered her? Probably not. Nah, Brittany Griner was, and she yeah, plays she, for the Mighty Merc. I'm a big yeah. Phoenix Mercury fan. You got to remember that. Uh, Diana Taurasi. No, not Taurasi. Maya Moore. Not Maya Moore. Okay. Moore is a little further down. Am I going to get these players? Or yeah, you should. Should I? I Well, I thought so. Elena Deladon. Not Elena Deladon. Stella Chamberlain. Uh, not Stella Chamberlain. Cheryl Miller. No. I don't know that I'm going to get these players. Sally West. Uh, no. Uh, no Sally West. Shamika Holdsclaw. No. Oh, uh, no. No, sorry. Joan Alcindor. No. I'm just trying to guess sisters of NBA Ohio players. State from 2014 to 2018. Oh, uh, I, I, Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey yeah, Mitchell, indeed. Kelsey well Mitchell. And then number four on the list uh, over at Missouri State in the late oh, 90s. I, okay, so the, I know this because when the record was broken, she, like, she had it for a long time, yes. but I don't remember... What her name was. Her name is Jackie Styles. Jackie Styles. Jackie, Jackie Styles, Styles. Missouri right. State Bears. Right, you only guess. You only saw the, what I did with Joan Alcindor. I, 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 I was I not meant, catching on until you got the I Joan did Alcindor. Sally West. Yeah, I did and not. I, did I was some, not. Some, I just thought you were putting names out there. Is all you're doing? Just throwing. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I yeah. Have no idea. Couldn't name five. Women's players. Well, that's that's. I have not a baseball good. one. Do you want the baseball that's one? That's not or? good. That's not good. Yeah, let's do uh, to celebrate uh, um, uh, Cy Young or Cy Young. Uh, Why are we celebrating Cy Young? Corey Kluber retired last week. Yeah, uh, so he won multiple Cy Youngs. Um, there are one, two. There are one, two, three. Sorry, six. Yeah, well, there are twelve players that have won at least three Cy Youngs. Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer is one of them. Greg Maddox. Greg, uh, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Um, Stay on your heater. Th- at least three? Yes. Sorry, 11. Jim, There's 11 of them. Jim Palmer and and who else did I get? Maddox. Jim, Maddox. Maddox, Maddox Palmer. I know the guys with the most. The guy with the most, Roger Clemens. That's Clemens. We've done right. this before. Very good. Clemens Very has good. seven. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax has three. Yeah. Maddox had four, by the way. Palmer had three as well. Yeah. I'll say Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson has five. Randy Johnson had five Cy Young Awards? Wow. He's pretty good, Randy Johnson. Who did he pitch for? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Nolan Ryan. Mm, Nolan Ryan didn't win. Really? Three Cy Young I mean, I believe you. How about, I, I, believe I believe it. How about Tom Seaver? Uh, yes, Tom Seaver did win three Cy Youngs. Okay. How about uh, Scherzer? Max Scherzer, in fact, has won three Cy Youngs, yes. Okay. <laughs> How many are we the last guy now? listed. Seven. I'm looking yeah, for four more? Yeah, four more. Fergie Jenkins? No, no Ferg. Bob Gibson. But he should have gotten one for what he did in my backyard. Bob Gibson? Bob no. Gibson only won two. Two. Uh, Verlander. He sucked. Yes, Justin <laughs> Verlander. Thrice. He sucked, Bob Gibson. He only won two. <laughs> Bum. What a miserable... Uh, Whitey Ford. No, no Whitey Ford. What about Kershaw? Yes, Clayton Kershaw. Thrice. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ah, uh, oh boy. Early win. Uh, no, no early they even win. Have a Cy Young Award then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess that's. How about? Man, I'm starting to dry up a little bit here too. Um. Hershiser? No, not Oral Hershiser. How about Catfish Hunter? No, no Catfish I got Hunter. one. Steve Carlton. Yes. Oh, good one. Steve Carlton. Four times. How about... How about... God. How many are we missing now? Glavin. Two? Uh, Glavin only won twice. Uh, we're missing one more. One more. Bum. And you should know this one. Should no, you should know all of them. But yeah, you should know this one. How about Don Sutton? No, not Don. Not Don Sutton. How about give us a hint? Um, I can't think of a hint that won't give it away. He has he pitched in the uh, in the nineties and uh, in the early two thousands. Smoltz? Not Smoltz. Pedro. Yes. Pedro good Martinez, three-time Cy Young winner. Good get there. Good. All right. Very good. Very good. All right, Tubular is brought to you today by Goose Flights. Goose Flights available all over town. Delicious, refresh- refreshing lager, and it's doing really good things as 198 from every can of Goose Flights sold is going to the Goose Flights Foundation, the work that uh, Tony Sarah Goose's family is doing to provide Non-emergency medical transport for those in need. Get it in six-packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. Sixers and cans are available at Costa Sin and Dundalk, as well as Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North, and cans available at all of the Maryland locations of Glory Days Grill, as well as available at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane and the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. Go get Goose Flights today, and find out more, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. Here's what's coming up this weekend. Uh, UMBC opens their lacrosse season this afternoon, 5 o'clock, America TV. They host Drexel. 
Uh, college baseball season gets underway this weekend. Maryland's at Georgia Southern all weekend on ESPN+. Plus. Tomorrow, Maryland, Illinois, 5.30 from College Park on Fox. ESPNU, basically the same time, Maryland, Syracuse, and lacrosse. That's a great matchup to start the season. That's at 6 o'clock there, a top-five battle between the Terps and the Orange. Uh, tomorrow on ESPN+, Plus, Albany UMBC hoops at 1, Navy BU hoops at 1. Loyola Johns Hopkins lacrosse is another good one uh, tomorrow at 1. Loyola Lehigh basketball tomorrow at 2. Delaware State Coppin State hoops at 4. Navy Towson lacrosse tomorrow at noon on Flow Sports. Towson Hampton basketball at 2. Morgan hosts UMES tomorrow at 4.30. You can watch it on their website. Stevenson's lacrosse opener is tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, against Muhlenberg. Go MustangSports.tv. Tomorrow night, NBA All-Star Saturday night festivities, three-pointer shootout, and the the Curry INSQ thing, that'll be good. That That's the one thing, but it still won't Celebrity get me to watch. Celebrity game tonight? You said yeah, that. No. Uh, tomorrow yeah. night, the uh, the festivities the are Puka's on TNT. Playing. Great. TNT at 8 o'clock. Uh, tomorrow, there's a UFC pay-per-view at 10 o'clock as well on ESPN+. Plus. Um, Sunday, Penn State, Maryland, women's basketball, 1 o'clock on BTN+. Plus. And the Daytona 500 is Sunday at 2.30 on Fox. And the All-Star Game Sunday night, 8 o'clock on TNT. Non-sports-wise, anything this weekend? The big thing is the Dynasty on Apple TV+. No, Plus. that's the Patriots. The thing. Patriots, Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm good. Is it American? You think it would have been better? Is it? What do you? What? Is it American Idol starting? Yes, Sunday American night? Idol is coming back uh, uh, once again uh, Sunday night Mrs. at eight. Mrs. On ABC. Charles and I love the watch. There you that. go. Yeah, right. There you go. The Equalizer as well, season four on CBS. If that's for anyone. Uh, what would you do? Is coming back as well right after American Idol on ABC at like ten o'clock with, like with the with, old yeah, kids with, TV show. The what? 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 With, what? No, no, no. With John Quinones and oh, I don't know that at all. You don't know that show? That no, show was awesome. Familiar. I love John Quinones. Where they put people in like weird situations, and then he comes out. I, and he's as like, everybody knows, I'm a tracker man. That's the only show that I. Did you stick around for, for Tracker after? No, the, not a chance after the big in game. hell. Justin Hartley. Sure, I'm not convinced that Tracker Great is actually show. real. Would Great the show. Dynasty? You're all in. Nah. Would the Dynasty have done better? You think if they waited another? I mean, if they waited. A little bit longer for it to come out. Like, what do you mean? Well, like, like, you, like I think it's a good premise of like kind of looking at the Patriots run, but like, kind of like yeah, how Jordan, Jordan came out. You know, I understand twenty what you're years saying, after. Like if you wait so that like the the negative stuff is kind of, like I think that your point actually now that you say it that way is well taken. Yeah. That those of us that were fatigued by the Patriots aren't over it yet to the point <sighs> of interest again. Whereas even the people that were fatigued by the Bulls, by the time we got to 2000, we were, you know, 2020, sorry. Yeah. We were uh, 22 years removed from them having won their last championship. Was there fatigue with the Bulls? I guess There's fatigue with everybody that yeah. wins all the time. I mean, you, any, there's already fatigue with the Chiefs. Like, well, yeah, when, they, when teams win the constantly, Chiefs. there's always going to be an amount of fatigue that comes along with it. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting point that – Perhaps this you wait ten years and there's more of an appetite for the the casual football fan for looking back on the Patriots dynasty. I was just looking at uh, what's how do you pronounce his name? The left-handed pitcher that used to pitch for the Dodgers in Toronto. No, Hyunjin Ryu. Ryu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. You remember he had it's a little older. He had Tommy John surgery. Back in 22. Mm-hmm. So he came back the second came half of last back, year? Came back last year's second half. And he 11 starts, so 3-4-6 ERA, mm-hmm. 52 innings, did give up 53 hits, but only nine walks, 
38 strikeouts, a 128 uh, whip. He did give up nine home runs, but you got to figure with that left field wall that we have in Baltimore. And I'll bet he'd be a pittance right now to but, sign. But he's he's a lefty, correct? He's a lefty. Yeah. yeah. I don't hate it. Look, I I, mean, I said last night. I mean, look, they're not getting. You'd rather have Montgomery. They're not getting. They're not getting Montgomery or Snell. Right. They could make a trade, but boy, wouldn't the pressure be off if you brought somebody like this in? If if you know. if it's for next to no, like I, the issue that you have is, are you signing somebody to a ten million dollar deal that has to be in the rotation? That no I matter- think you're signing him for. I, I really think he'd sign for like five million with a five at, million in incentives at, or something. At five million, I wouldn't. Anything that says this person has to be in the rotation no yeah. matter what, I'm I'm yeah. kind of opposed to. I'm kind of. I'm, I, I think, think I'm he's out an under the radar guy right now. I haven't thought about. It. I've dismissed him yeah. totally, and all of a sudden I saw his name mentioned somewhere, yeah. and I said, "Let me see how he pitched last year." That's not bad for coming back from a from a Tommy John. No, it's you not know, bad. Three point two eight, three point four six ERA, one two eight WHIP. Yep. yep. Anything else? I have to tell you, uh, J Lo uh, has a movie out on Prime Video mm. in in. Uh, mm along with her album that came out today. It's sure. a, this is me now. And it look, I don't know. But so it's it, a musical essentially. It's essentially like her her album like in the movie, I think. She's on Fallon tonight to talk about it. So okay. is Alan Richson. Oh yeah, your boy from Reacher, right? Yes. Yeah. Um I think that's Oh Oppenheimer is on streaming. Oh on Peacock. And there's no SNL this weekend, right? No SNL. But there Shane is Shane Gillis next weekend. There is a curb, right? Uh yes, there is a new yeah. episode of Curb uh, Sunday night as well. Yeah. After I thought the episode two was fantastic. It was awesome. This yeah. is the premise of this season has been tremendous. I I I, I wasn't thrilled with episode one, but two was right on the money. I did right. not, in fairness, I had not done a lot of like research into what the season was going to be about, right. so I didn't know where they were going in yeah. season one when they got there, or in episode one, when they got there, yeah. I had a big smile on my face. Yeah. When they got to the end and they did the Trump mugshot at the end yeah. of the episode, I yeah. I said, okay, Very I, this this will yeah. be fun. This will be a lot of fun. Stay on the fan. Monday, you're back in action. Back in action with uh, Luke Jackson and Ross Grimsley, and we'll have Eric Garfield uh, midweek next week. And some uh, interesting, uh, something I'll be doing uh, on a monthly basis with the executive director of Maryland Sports, Terry Hazeltine. It, but it would be me doing the interviewing. Yeah. Not It's not my podcast. It's uh, the Maryland Sports podcast. We'll start that this week, I believe. Very good. And, of course, uh, tomorrow morning, the bat around with uh, Paul and Ryan at 10 a.m. You can check that out. Thanks today to Will Carroll. Thanks also to Gary Williams. We'll get that up in the greatest hit section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Um, all right. Have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. We might be starting a couple minutes late on Monday because i got to do uh, the yes. dumbest idea in the history of shows. It's called radio, isn't it? Yeah. I'll be over on 105.7 Monday morning with Rita and Drew Forrester. Can't miss. That's Must listen radio. You, you might hear the end of the radio station on Monday morning. <laughs> I'm not sure. This is going to be the downfall of... It's going to be interesting. All right, uh, so join me for that, and then I'll be over here after that on Monday. Thanks, everybody, at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Follow Stan at StanTheFan.
Have a great weekend. Go all the local teams. Duke sucks.